I would guess we would all probably agree relationships can be complicated. Raise your hand if you think relation, people are weird, right? Look at your, your spouse and say it's complicated. Now, don't do that. It might go, it might go bad for you if you do that, uh, especially husbands. We never say that to our spouse. Even if it's true, it's not, Christy. It's totally not. Uh, we would all agree that relationships are complicated, whether it's a dating relationship. Those can get really complicated. Marriage relationships can get really complicated. Friendships. I mean, friends can, can be complicated as well, can they not? Uh, church relationships. Uh, we've probably all, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably got a church story um, that isn't a positive story about a relationship that didn't work out so well. Work relationships can get difficult sometimes. And, and how about parents? How about relationships with our kids? Especially our relationships with our kids can get complicated, can they not? Uh, whether they're, they're young kids like mine or especially when they're older kids and going off to college and become adults. Uh, Pastor Martin always used to say that parenting adult children is the hardest thing he's ever done. And uh, I'm beginning to already see it because my kids already think they're adult children. Um, so take my kids for example. You all all know my, my children, most of you do anyways. Uh, Braxton and Caroline, they are some of the sweetest kids you will ever meet. I mean, they really are. Uh, especially when they're, they're by themselves and they're not with each other, with other kids. They're just really sweet kids. Braxton uh, can be one of the most encouraging children that I've ever been around. Caroline gives the best hugs, the best kisses on the cheek. I mean, she's just a sweet kid and then a few minutes later you're negotiating with many terrorists you're negotiating with them the reason that the living room floor is not their dirty clothes hamper or the place where they should leave their shoes which happens every day um, parents I hope you can attest to that and it's not just me or really Christy having to deal with it with our our children um, but Caroline is a special one who just kind of says things like that. Well, Braxton's pretty blunt, too, if you've ever had to experience that from him. Um, but the other day, you know, we're sports fans in my house. Most of us, Christy couldn't care any less, but uh, most of us like sports. What'd you say? Go Vols. Go Vols. That's all she knows how to say. Go Vols. So that's the rule in my house. If you're in my house, you're going to be a UT fan. Uh, you're going to be a Braves fan. And uh, the rest of it's apparently negotiable. Um, I grew up a Falcons fan in the NFL. My son's a Titans fan. And my daughter has been saying all since last fall when the Titans played the Jaguars, she said she's a Jaguars fan. And we've been fighting that forever because, you know, who wants Jaguars? They're not any good. But she loves the logo, and she loves the colors, and she really loves this chant that they do where they just scream out the word Duval. And she does it all the time. And I had no idea why they do this, but apparently... It's the name of the county in which Jacksonville is. So they're cheering for their county. Again, why you should not be a Jaguars fan, I guess. That's all you got to cheer for is, I live here. <laughs> but she came up to me the other day and said, Daddy, when I'm an adult, I'm going to be a Jaguars fan. And you can't stop me. All right? So why is this, Caroline? Well, you'll be dead. <laughs> All right? Why exactly do you think I'm going to be dead, Caroline? Because you're really old. <laughs> now, nothing she said was wrong. She's telling the truth. 
It's very possible, but she's grounded <laughs> just for saying that. Uh, there's a dynamic in our relationships. It's inherent in all relationships that cause things to kind of go uh, sideways sometimes, cause these complications that happen, and here's what the dynamic is. You. Human beings are what makes relationships so complicated because human beings, from one second to the other, we have different emotions, we have different feelings. Can I get an amen, husbands? Moods change like that, and what you like today, you may hate tomorrow, and vice versa. It's this moving goalpost that we're trying to hit in a relationship, and because it's a, such a moving goalpost and it changes so quickly, we are bound to miss the target more often than not, probably. It's difficult sometimes. And it's unfortunate, but it's a reality that we carry these complications from our relationships with other people over into the way we, have a, we treat our relationship with God. It's something that is just within us that complicates everything. We overthink it sometimes. Or sometimes we may underthink it. Or we'll have the excuse of, well, I don't know how to really have a relationship with God. I've never really been able to figure that out. Or, or we just make all kinds of excuses. I don't have time. i got to work. i got to do all these things. Now, truthfully, there are some complex truths that we have to understand as Christians. And as you grow in your faith, you begin to, to know, understand more and more of those complex truths. There are some difficult doctrines to wrap your head around as a Christian to understand why God does things the way he does them. And we'll never understand on some things why it plays out that way. But the core of your relationship with God is incredibly simple. It, it, it really is. It, it is not a complicated thing. And the core of our relationship with God is communion with God. It is communion with God that drives every aspect of your spiritual growth. It is that communion with God where you're going to develop spiritual fruit, begin walking out your faith, and the spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things. It develops out of our communion with God. It that communion with God will drive our understanding of those difficult doctrines and those complex truths that we try to wrap our mind around. Communion with God is what will build up our faith in difficult circumstances where we understand that God is still at work even when it doesn't feel like He is. And this communion with God that I'm talking about, it's not this that I'm talking about. We call this communion. But the communion with God that I'm talking about is this alone time with God, this relationship with God, this relationship we have with God as a group of believers gathering on Sunday mornings. It is a regular time with the Lord. And the core of that is what we often think is just the basic principles, but it is so central to our spiritual growth. The core of it is simply prayer. But if you look statistically at polls that they've done over the last few years, churchgoers don't pray very often. When you dig into the numbers, it's really, it, it, we're not in a great space with prayer. Because churchgoers, our prayer life will often consist of, when we do, so, 
Churchgoers who say they pray daily, it is often they report prayers that are like just praying over a meal or asking for specific things on a particular day. But there's not reported very much communion time spent with God. Just getting to know Him and spending time with the Lord in His presence. We're not very good at that. But it's the core of what we should be doing. So because of that, as we talk about it this morning, I'm not going to assume that anyone in here spends a regular time with God. Maybe you do. Maybe your, your prayer time, your communion with God, your, your diving into Scripture, maybe it's really good and really deep. But based off the statistics that have been reported, the odds are you fall into the category of, I pray, but not regularly. And I pray, but they're fairly shallow. They're really just all about me or whatever's going on in the moment. And maybe that's because you're uncertain about it. Maybe you just don't know how. So today, we're just going to, if it's okay with you guys, we're just going to get practical. We're not going to dive deep into to like theology and scripture or doctrine. We're just going to do some practical, practical steps. I want to be honest with you, as your pastor, I've got a complicated relationship myself with prayer. Uh, prayer has always been a difficult thing for me. It has gotten better as my spiritual life has grown, but, but prayer on its surface just seems weird. I mean, we are speaking to God, hoping that He's hearing, but not hearing things back audibly. Most times, anyway. And it seems weird. But as I've grown in my prayer walk and grown in my, my study of Scripture, it has become so central to who I am that on, on the times that I miss my prayer days, and I still miss them, uh, Christy especially can probably tell a difference in how my behavior is, how my mood is that day, because I have not been alone with the Lord. So it's not just me preaching to you. This is me. I deal with the same struggles that you deal with. So I'm going to share with you today some, some practical things that have helped me in my prayer walk, some practical steps that I do. Now, prayer, if we define prayer, prayer, what it really is, it's a constant awareness. It's not just a few minutes you spend with the Lord. Scriptural prayer is this constant awareness that we, we should have of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it should be bringing our heart and our minds into this unity with God that shifts our whole human perspective to where we are aligned with who He is. So it's a constant state of being aware of who God is and the awareness of the spiritual things going around us that should shift our perspectives into His perspectives. It should bring us into agreement with Him. Communion beginning with this concept of prayer, changes us. It drives every other part of your spiritual life. If you're not digging into Scripture and if you're not spending time with the Lord, you are not going to grow spiritually. If this is what you are depending on for your spiritual growth, showing up on Sunday morning, singing a few songs, and reciting whatever prayer or listening to whatever prayer may be said in a church service, your spiritual life is going to stay where it's at right now and maybe even get worse. It's vital. 
And it's interesting when you read Scripture because the disciples knew how important this was. Think about who the disciples were. These were guys who, who were religious Jews. They knew prayer. I mean, prayer is a part of the Jewish religion. They understood how important prayer was to their lives and their relationship with God. So they, they're hanging out with Jesus for three years, and they see Jesus performing miracles. They hear Jesus teaching. But they never say, hey, Jesus, how can I raise somebody from the dead? Hey, Jesus, how can I tell parables like you do so that people will listen? But they do go to Jesus, and they say, Lord, would you teach me how to pray? They knew it was that important. Guys who, who understood how important prayer was, they looked at Jesus' example, and they knew something is different with him. Something is different with how he speaks to the Father. Every religion that I know of will teach you to pray. But there is a distinct difference in how Christians pray versus how even a Jewish person or someone who's in the Muslim religion or a Buddhist, there is a distinct difference in our prayer versus how they pray. So let's dig into what Jesus, how he laid it out for them. It's a passage that you're probably familiar with. Many of you may have memorized this passage. It may be the only passage of Scripture that you know, that you've memorized that, and maybe John 3.16. Here's how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He said this in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So, He's telling the disciples, your prayer life, or the way you pray, it's not just some group of memorized words that you get up and say every single day. Now, many of us, you may have memorized the Lord's Prayer at some point. If you played football, there's a lot of football teams or basketball teams or baseball teams that will recite the Lord's Prayer before they go out. So maybe you know the Lord's Prayer and you can recite that, and that has some benefit to it. Don't take me wrong. There are times where I just recite Scripture in my prayer time. But he's saying in this, don't just heap up empty words. Don't just say something because you've heard it. How often in our prayer life do we end up I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people who, um, and I've done this before too, all of a sudden when you start to pray, you're speaking King James English. Where did that come from? <laughs> Thy Father, would you, thou come, I don't even know how to speak King James English. But we tend to do that in our prayer time. I've known guys who are like, I mean, they're pretty red if you know what I'm saying, and they're country boys, and they don't know even how to speak regular English, but all of a sudden... They're speaking King James English when they start to pray. And a lot of us, we get real repetitive in our prayers. And again, not, not necessarily anything wrong with it, but if it's just empty words that you're reciting, a lot of us will just say over and over again, Father God, would you do this? Father God, would you help me here? Father God, and we'll, we'll just repeat the same things over and over again, and there's no intention behind it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Don't just heap up empty words. This is an important thing that you were doing. It's not just some rote, memorized thing. 
So that brings up a question. Is there a right way to pray? Well, apparently there is. Because Jesus dives into it right after he says, don't do this. He dives in and he says, do it this way. Verse 9, he says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's not just a recitation of those words. He's not saying, when you pray, just say this. He says, when you pray, pray like this. So let's look at some principles that Jesus has laid out for us in this passage and, and principles that we, have, um, that we have seen examples of throughout Scripture as he is praying. The first principle that we see Jesus show us is that our prayers need to be personal. What, what, how does it start? Our, I heard one person say it, our Father. That is a personal relationship. And maybe some of you are like, eh, my relationship with my dad kind of sucks. So maybe that's your experience with what a dad looks like, because it's not a great earthly experience, but we're not gauging our relationship with the heavenly father on what our earthly father did. We should do exactly the opposite, engage our earthly father on how the heavenly father treats us. This idea that Jesus starts it out with, our father, it's an intimate relationship that he's leading into. There's a closeness in that. And there's an expectation in those intimate relationships, those conversations that we have with those who are close to us, that we will be raw and we will be open and we won't try to hide anything, that we are just honest with God as we go to Him, just like you are with those who are closest to you. So you don't have to sound churchy when you pray. And some of you are like, I am never praying out loud. It's not going to happen because I sound stupid when I do it. You don't sound stupid to God. You do not have to sound church you don't have to have the right words it is a personal conversation you are having with God but you know what most of the time we view prayer as this transactional thing I heard a preacher at a camp several years ago use this example he said it's like you're walking up to a coke machine and you're putting your dollar in the coke machine and if the coke machine doesn't eat your dollar like most coke machines seem to do uh, you push the button on what you want but today I want a Coke, or a Diet Coke, or a Dr. Pepper, or whatever it may be. Maybe you're crazy and you get a Pepsi. You shouldn't do that. That's sinful. Pepsi's bad. Just throwing that out there. East Tennessee, no Pepsi. And it's this transactional thing where we're saying, God, I need this from you. Here's my time. I'm going to ask you for it. Now give it to me. Prayer should not be a transactional thing. The goal of prayer is not for God to give you things. It's not for God to heal your loved ones. The goal of prayer is God. The whole point is to find God as you pray. And it's, if that is the primary goal of what we're doing, then, then prayer as we approach Him in a personal manner should be, God, I'm just... I'm here for you. I just want to, to experience you right now, God. 
That's what Jesus is outlining here. Our Father is this intimate relationship. We just want to be in His presence, but it's not just some something that we do haphazardly. Notice how he continues. There's not only a personal element, there's a praise element that Jesus is laying out here. He says, hallowed be your name. It's bringing honor to God. It's not just some buddy thing that's going on. God is still God. God is still set apart from all other things. And that word hallowed, it really kind of means two things as he says it. It is, your name is most beautiful. You are all that I desire. You are the most beautiful thing. You are what I want. I am praising you for that. And you are most worthy, God, of everything in me. It's this idea when it plays out in your prayer, it could sound something like, God, I love you because. And just whatever comes to mind. I love you, God, because I know that you're sovereign. I love you, God, because you have shown me so much grace. I love you, God, because you healed my loved one. I love you, God, because even though you didn't heal them on this earth, you took them home to heaven with you, and I know that they're healed. I love you, God, because you're helping me deal with grief. I love you, God, because you sacrificed your son on the cross for me. I love you, God, because in you I know I have a future. Whatever it could be, it's this praise to God, this, really this act of worship that you're giving during your prayer time. It's personal, it's raw, and it's praising God. But we also see, as Jesus outlines this, that it's not just this personal relationship and this praise. There's an alignment that comes along here. Because he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's aligning with God. It's not, God, do this for me. It's, God, in my life, I want to be lined up with your kingdom. God, I want this, but your will be done in my life. We even saw Jesus do that when he, he said, Lord, Father, can you take this cup from me? But if not, your will be done, not mine. This alignment that comes on, comes up between us and God. And really what should happen in this alignment is, we're trying to line ourselves up with God. So as we are looking on how we live our lives, our goal should be to find what God is doing and get involved with what God's doing. Make ourselves a part of that. Years and years and years ago, there was a guy named Henry Blackaby who wrote a book called Experiencing God. Has anybody ever read that book before? Nobody. Okay. Still going to share the illustration. Um, in that book, he said, that's what you do. If you want to get involved with God, you find what God is doing, and you go do that. That is why over the last few years when we planted this church, our goal was discipleship. But that has become in the last couple of months an even stronger focus for me personally. How important it is because I'm just like you. I watch the news and I see our world just kind of going everywhere. And we ask God, why are you fixing this? Why aren't you working in the hurt here? Why aren't you working in the confusion over here? Why aren't you changing things? And the reality is, it doesn't happen because we, we're terrible at discipleship. If we want to see the world change, we have to make disciples. It will change the world. See, the whole idea is not to change God's mind about something. When we go to Him in prayer, it's not for Him to, to give us something, to change His mind about it. It is for Him to change us. What is your will, God? 
For me, it's being focused, laser focused on leading this church towards a discipleship initiative. What is his will for you? Where does he want you right now? What is he telling you to get involved in? How can I participate in that? Because the whole point is that we are in harmony with God, doing what he has gifted you and give you a passion to do in accordance with his will. So there's got to be alignment as we pray. It's not about you when you pray. But you do have things you want. And you do have things you need. And we see Jesus lay that out here. Just ask. There's needs in our life. Tell him what those are. He knows what they are already, but when we tell God what our needs are, it is doing what we just talked about. It is aligning ourselves with God, saying, God, I need this. Or God, I want this. And as those become in line with God, he gives us those things. And that doesn't mean you're going to go pray in the morning and say, hey, uh, my house is kind of small, God. I really would like that big 5,000 square foot house down the road with the pool in the backyard and the million dollar view of the mountains. Maybe he'll, you'll get that one day. That's not what we're talking about. Does God provide those things? Absolutely. His love is lavish. But that's not what Jesus is aligning us with. It is being honest with God, saying, God, I need you to either heal my loved one or make me okay with you not healing my loved one. God, I need you to somehow pay the bills that there's not enough money to pay this month. Would you align that, God, for me? God, I need you to change my heart because I have hate in my heart for this person. He he provides for us physically. He provides for us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially. He is always providing for you, even when you don't recognize it. And some of you, you haven't spent communion with God in a really long time. Yet He's still giving you everything that you need. I know that because you're in here and you're breathing. And you look healthy. He's providing everything that you need. Maybe not everything that you want, but he's, He is providing our needs. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. And like I said, it's not asking for those fun things, those material things. It's aligning ourselves. What is your will, God? Would you provide it for me? So He says, Jesus is saying, ask But he also has this other element in there to kind of clear the air with God. It's this confession. The the idea of confession in prayer. I was talking to my discipleship group. I think it was last week. I think it was my discipleship group. might have been somebody else. They'll remember. uh, How sometimes um, I'll do something and then I'll know immediately I've just sinned. I'm like, well, I'm not going to pray about that right now. I'm going to let let this kind of get some distance with God. And then I'll go and I'll say, hey, God, remember three days ago I did this. Um, I hope you're cool with me. Would you forgive me now? I hope that's not just me who does that. I mean, that's how we do it with our parents, right? Let there get enough distance in there or our spouses and say, oh, by the way, last week um, I forgot to do this and I know I was supposed to do that. Please don't hate me. I took care of it now. We're all good. We approach prayer that way sometimes. But you can't punk God. He knows exactly what you're dealing with, exactly the struggles that you're having in your life. 
and exactly the sins that you've committed. So we've got to clear the air. This confession with God, it's more about our hearts than it is about changing God. Sure, we're going to Him asking for forgiveness, but it's about us making our hearts right with God, making our relationships right. That's why uh, I think it's Matthew 5 where Jesus is talking about if you're bringing an offering to God but you have a broken relationship with someone, lay your offering down, go fix the relationship before you come and offer anything up to me. And the reason for that is, is because how do you expect to experience God's grace if you're withholding it from somebody? How do you expect to experience God's love if you're hating someone else? How do you expect to experience God's forgiveness if you refuse to forgive someone who hurt you? Now, I'm not saying that that makes your relationships right, it makes them good, but it does make them right in God's eyes when we're honest and we try to repair those things. So we've got to clear the air of our own sins, of our own broken relationships, of our own sins against each other. And then as we look at Jesus' examples throughout Scripture, not particularly in this passage, but what we see throughout Scripture is we need to commit to the Word. What do you mean commit to the Word? I thought we were talking about prayer. Communion with God can't just be us talking. We've got to be listening. And God speaks to us through Scripture. If we don't understand the Word... If we're not having a regular time of just studying what God has written in Scripture for us, then we will never be able to come fully into communion with God. It is, I mean, Jesus said in this passage, He says, Give us this day our daily bread. And Scripture tells us that Jesus is the bread of life. We need to understand Scripture because it helps us understand Jesus and understand the whole plan that God has laid out. There's something powerful about when you bring the Word and prayer together that changes your communion with God. It is some of the most powerful times I've had in my personal prayer time is actually just reading Scripture back to God. Remembering what His promises are. You have to commit to the Word. You have to Take some time and just be still. Shut up at some point. Let God move in your life. One of my favorite passages in Scripture, Psalms 46.10, the psalmist writes, just be still and know I'm God. Just be still. Meditate on who He is. I've talked about meditation before. I don't want to get meditation confused with this new age meditation that we see out there. It's not sitting down doing the hmm, empty my head of everything. No, this is filling your head and your heart with God and just, just thinking about Him. Just reading a passage of Scripture sometimes over and over and over and letting that one passage just, just melt into your heart. Leaving room for God to move and not just in our busyness. It's when you actually make an effort and say, God, I've made the time. All I want is you. 
You don't have to do anything for me. I just want you. The last principle we see in Jesus' prayers is an attitude of gratitude. We have to be grateful. That attitude, it, it transforms us. I don't have anything to be thankful for. Well, you're breathing right now. You got that. Some, most of you are going to have pretty good lunches today. You got that. You've got somebody in your life who loves you, even if you don't know it. You've got that. You got the cross. You've got that. Be grateful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. That's communion. Always be joyful, even in the difficult circumstances. Even when life's terrible, Jesus still died for you. Be joyful for that. Always be praying. Never stop praying. What exactly does that mean when Paul says that? It doesn't mean you're always just kneeling somewhere, praying to God. It means we always have this mind of seeking God's will. Everything that we do. God, I'm going into a meeting. Would you just help me in this meeting to, to have my mind together and to do what I need to do? God, would you help me in this conversation with my boss? God, would you help me as I discipline my children because I want to beat the living daylights out of them right now. For this is God's will for you. His will is not for you to be out there doing your own thing. His will is for you to always be approaching Him joyfully and thankful and no matter what the circumstances are. That is His will for you. His mission for you is to love Him, to love people, to make disciples. But I don't know where to start. Or I don't know how to make this fresh and something I enjoy doing because prayer can get kind of stifled and I'm kind of bored with it. How do I start? Well, this is what I've done. And maybe some of this will help you. The first thing, the first recommendation that I've got. If you've got a pen and paper, maybe this will help you. You can write it down. I should have given you a notepad. Riff on the Lord's Prayer. Like a musician, just kind of riffs. Like Shane's up here, just kind of not knowing what the rest of the band is doing. He's just riffing on whatever's in his head. Now, riff, when I say riff on the Lord's Prayer, it's, you know, open it up. Matthew chapter 6, read it and put it into your own words and feelings. Our Father in heaven, God, you are awesome. And then just play it out from there. I love you because this, God. God, I need your will to be done here in my life. And God, I want you to line me up with your kingdom and just play it all through. Riff on the Lord's Prayer and pray through the Psalms. I've shared that with you before and some of you have shared testimonies about how that has changed your prayer life. And it's really kind of the same thing. You're opening up a Psalm and you just go to one that, for whatever that reason that day, God's speaking to you through this Psalm and you read the verse and you pray whatever comes to mind. 
and you read the next verse, and maybe nothing comes to mind. So you go to the next verse, and you pray through the whole psalm. And before you know it, you've spent 15, 20 minutes praying when it was hard for you to spend 90 seconds before. So pray through the psalms. Another thing that's really helped me, maybe you can relate to this. Sometimes when I'm praying, my mind is not there. Like, I'm thinking about other things. I'm saying words to God, but I'm thinking about what I need to do today or whatever it may be. Can I get an amen on that? Anybody else do that? Your mind just kind of wonders while you're praying? When my mind's doing that, I go for a walk. I pray. I'm surprised there's carpet left because I will just walk around this auditorium many days during the week or if it's not too hot, I'll go walk around the building outside and I'm praying out loud. That's, a, that's an important part of it out loud. So I just walk around here and I just pray my normal prayers. I get steps on it on my watch too, so that that's beneficial as well. Go walk around your neighborhood and pray out loud. Now don't be weird about it. I mean, if somebody's standing in their yard and they're working in the yard, don't walk up to them and just lay hands on them and start praying out loud for them. Now they may need it, they may ask you for it, but don't be weird about it because your goal is to hopefully share Jesus with them at some point. You don't want to run them off because you're weird. So walk. Pray out loud. That all sounds great, but my day's busy. I don't know how I'm ever going to get that done. I don't have time. Make an appointment with God. If you have an appointment with your boss, are you going to miss it? You better not. He probably won't be your boss anymore after that. If you got an appointment with a teacher, you're probably not going to miss that. Put it in your calendar. Make an appointment with God and say, at this time, I'm going to spend some time with God and make it a habit. I've read through a book, I hadn't finished it yet, called Atomic Habits. And the guy writes this um, illustration in the book of someone he knows who's trying to build a habit of working out, getting healthy. But he hated working out. Can I get an amen on that? So he joins a gym and he says, all I'm going to do is build a habit of going to the gym. That's literally what he does. He drives to the gym, and then he drives home. He never gets out of the car. He does that for a few weeks. Then he says, well, I'm coming, so I may as well get some exercise in. So he says, I'm going to work out for five, just five minutes. And he does that. For a f- He gets out. He goes in. He's like, I'm not working out more than five minutes. He works out for five minutes. He gets in his car and goes home. And then he did. De- He's developed this habit of he's going, he's working out to where he's seeking more of that. And his workouts are not five minutes anymore. They're like 30, 45 minutes at a time. And he's begun building these healthy habits. Why don't you make a habit? Just say this week, I'm going to pray for two minutes. That's it. Every day, two minutes. I'm setting an appointment, put an alarm in my phone, in two minutes, I'm going to pray. I'm going to set a timer, and I'm not praying two minutes and five seconds. I'm praying two minutes. When it gets to two minutes, stop. And as the Lord leads, you increase that. Make it a habit in your life. And then maybe the last thing I would recommend that's helped me, how many times have you had someone come up to you and say, or send you a text message or give you a call and say, hey, can you pray for me? I've got this going on. Has anybody ever asked you to pray for them? And how many times have you totally forgot? 
You're sincere when you say, absolutely, I'm going to pray for you. I'm definitely going to do it. And then something happens, and you totally forgot it happened, that you made that promise. Pray in the moment. Don't wait. Sure, add it to your prayer list if you think about it and pray for those things all the time. But if you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, pray right then. And if, if it's convenient and it works out, pray with that person in the moment. Just say, hey, I'm absolutely going to pray for you. Let's make sure. Let's do it right now. And if it's not convenient in that moment for whatever reason, as soon as they are away from you and you have just a moment by yourself, pray for whatever the situation is. Those are just a few of the things that have helped me in my prayer life. And hopefully that can help you. Maybe you can grab onto one of those things. Riff on the Lord's Prayer. Pray through the Psalms. Walk around. Pray out loud. Set an appointment with God. Make it a habit. And pray in the moment. And the whole point is seeking spiritual growth, communion with God. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. It takes work. It takes discipline. And communion with God is what drives it. It's just like any other relationship in your life. If you never talk to your spouse, how would that relationship be? It'd probably be pretty terrible. And maybe you're in that right now, and we need to, to pray over that with you. Maybe you're dealing with that. If you never speak with God, you're never going to know God. If you never read Scripture, it's hard for Him to speak to you. Imagine if this summer was a summer where you really committed to prayer. How would it change your spiritual life? Imagine, parents, if you really commit to prayer, how's it going to change your family? Imagine if we as a church commit to prayer which is actually one of our core values. We say we're a church of prayer, but we're terrible at it. How would it change our church? As we're looking at the next phase of where we're going to be as a church with this property and how we're going to build a building and be able to, to do all of those things, how would it relieve the pressure if we're praying through it and letting God make those decisions and not us? And I want you to notice one last thing in this passage. Spiritual growth, communion with God, doesn't just happen when you are alone. Because the language that Jesus uses is community language. Our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. The power of a church praying together can change a community. If you look at the church in Acts, that small group of believers changed the world because they were committed to each other as a church, but more importantly, to communion with God.
And they prayed together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And here's how I'm going to close this morning. We're going to riff on the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to pray over you this morning. So, I'm asking you now, take a posture of prayer, whatever that looks like for you. Get with someone you're close to that you want to pray with. Stand and raise your hands to God. Get on your knees. Bow, whatever it looks like. Go ahead, right now, take a posture of prayer. Father in heaven, You are such an amazing God. Your your name is greater than all other names. You deserve to be honored. You deserve all glory. All power is yours. Lord, you are all-knowing. You are ever-present. You are all-powerful. You are sovereign over everything, God. May may you receive glory from our lives. May you be honored by what we do as a church. May you be honored by each of us in this room as we go about our daily lives. We want to bring you glory because you deserve it, God. You and you alone. And Lord, we are praying for your kingdom to return. We're praying for you to come back. But Lord, in in that time, as we wait, we pray that your will is done on this earth. Lord, as we look around and we see so much in this world that we know doesn't please you. We ask for your will to be done. For you to move in the power of the Spirit throughout our community, throughout our country, throughout this world, God, that you would change hearts, that you would change minds. And Lord, not just what others are doing, but God, that you would align our will with yours that the things that we desire would become the things that you desire for us. That you would show us right now in this very moment, God, what am I putting ahead of you? What do I love more than you, God? And help me to align those desires with you. God, would you forgive us? We all we struggle in certain areas of our life with temptations that we continually give into. God, help us to stop living defeated lives. To live in your victory. To stop making excuses for our sin and realize that you have called us to be holy, to be different, to be set apart from this world because we are your children. Forgive us, Lord. God, help us to forgive those who've sinned against us. 
And Lord, for those who we have hurt, help us, give us the courage to go and seek their forgiveness. Heal our relationships that are broken, God. God, keep me away from the things that make me stumble. Give me the courage to shut off those things that draw my mind into things that aren't pure and aren't holy. To seek your face. Keep us, Lord, from evil. Protect us, Lord, from the enemy as he seeks to destroy us. Help us to stand firm in you, God. It is all about you. Lord, you know the heart of every person in this room. You know the need of every person in this room, of every person who may be joining us online today. You know the need. Would you respond? And Lord, if the answer isn't what we want, would you align us with your response that it would bring you glory? That you would change our hearts to be lined up with yours. Thank you, God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this group of believers. Thank you for those who are seeking you earnestly in every area of their lives. Even when we fail daily, we come back and we seek you. And Lord, for those in this room who aren't in communion with you, thank you for them. And Lord, that you would restore that communion with them. For those in this room who may not know you as their Savior, God, would you save them even in this moment, showing them their need for Jesus Christ. Would they commit their lives, Father, would you convict them, Lord? And Lord, as we, as a church, help me to lead this church to become laser-focused on discipleship so that each of us can live out the calling you have on our lives with all of our unique gifts and all of our unique talents and passions. Lord, I pray that hunger would be in all of us, but especially in the leadership of this church, our elders, our deacons, our our directors of ministries, our worship team, that we are seeking to show show you to every person and lead them to walk in lockstep with you. In Jesus' name we pray.